This podcast is brought to you by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Exam Prep Program. The TSM NCA Prep Program offers internationally trained lawyers courses taught by practicing lawyers in Canada, expertly designed study guides, exclusive networking opportunities with top Canadian law firms, and employability sessions, arming you with all the tools you need in order to hit the ground running in your pursuit to practicing law in Canada. To find out more about the program, you can email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is episode four of our National Committee on Accreditation Journey sub-series. This NCA sub-series will focus on individuals who have already or are currently undertaking the accreditation journey in Canada, as well as key stakeholders across the NCA journey spectrum. We will uncover motivations, anxieties, failures, triumphs, and advice in an aim to showcase the wide-ranging experiences many people face when looking to become a lawyer in Canada. Our fourth guest in this series is Stuart Floyd. Stuart is the International Regional Manager for Bond University in Australia. He is Australian, having grown up in Adelaide, South Australia, and attended Bond University in the mid-2000s to complete a double undergraduate degree in international relations and law. Even though Stuart completed his Bachelor of Laws degree, he has never practiced as a lawyer, choosing instead to follow his passion for education. For the past 16 years, Stuart has worked for Bond University in their admissions department. The first six years in domestic Australian admissions, and the last 10 years here in Canada, managing admissions, marketing, and recruitment for all of North America. Stuart has worked with several thousands of applicants to Bond, counseling students on their path to law school. Importantly, as an alumnus himself, Stuart is directly involved with students returning from Bond as they navigate their way through the Canadian legal profession accreditation process. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Anton. How are you? Great, great. Thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast. My pleasure. You're welcome. Yeah. So I think um, it would be interesting for listeners to learn a little bit about um, who this guy is with the with the different accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so far, I mean, I've I've interviewed um, somebody from Lahore, Pakistan, uh, somebody from Canada, and then somebody from the UK. And so it might we might as well interview somebody from Australia. Um, and uh, so it would be good for the listeners to learn a little bit about you, your position at Bond University, and sort of your role in this whole spider web of the NCA. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, thanks for the opportunity to, to be on today. Uh, so, yes, so I'm from Australia originally. I completed my law degree at Bond University going back almost 15 years ago now. Uh, mm. I did that straight out of high school, as most Australians do in Australia. We generally go straight to university to do our professional qualifications at the bachelor level. Uh, I did it combined with a bachelor of international relations. Mm -hmm. For me, my passion's always been education. And so I started working with the university in domestic Australian admissions and did that for six or seven years. And of course, as many Australians do, I I met a Canadian in law school. Mm -hmm. And from there, we moved back to Canada almost a decade ago now. 
and uh, that has allowed me to essentially continue my role with the university. Uh, when I was planning on moving here, I said, look, this is what I'm looking at doing. And they said, well, the job looking after North America is currently vacant. We usually do it from campus. I said, well, how about we do it from in North America, given my experience as a law student and we get a lot of law students from Canada and those sorts of things. And they agreed. And 10 years later, here I am. So for the last decade, I've been working for the university directly, um, still fully employed, uh, which is great. So I get to go yeah. back to Australia a couple of times a year and uh, sort of I've got my campus there to support and my colleagues, which are fantastic. And so my role covers all of the uh, essentially everything that is Bond University's business across all of North America. And so that includes uh, individual student admissions, so working from inquiry right through until students physically step foot on our campus during non-COVID times. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, I handle our marketing, our recruitment, our business development, our interactions with various professional bodies. Uh, and then a big part of it is also working with the students I've admitted on the other end of their experience as, uh, as an, an alumnus. Uh, so as an alumnus myself, I'm part of the chapter here in Ontario and uh, also then just generally work with our students when they come back. And that's probably one of the best parts of the job for me is to see them when they first inquire, when they first start applying to university, they're a little bit nervous and, and haven't had the experience yet to the changed people they are when they come back uh, to Canada, uh, having been through our program. And, and mm. it's definitely exciting to see that change. Yeah, that's great. And, and for the listener's sake, uh, Stuart and I do share a similar, similar professional experience because I represented a UK university in Canada doing, doing a similar job to Stuart um, in um, helping Canadians go to the UK, complete a law degree, and then, you know, come back to Canada. So that whole come back to Canada thing is what I'd like to focus on now. Mm -hmm. um, so we've spoken to individuals who are coming from abroad, who then come to Canada, emigrate to Canada. And we've also spoken to individuals who are from Canada, who go abroad and then come back to Canada. But um, no matter where they're coming from uh, or where they're studying, they are met by the gatekeeper, and that is the NCA. Um, so the NCA, by now, everybody knows, is a branch of the Federation of Law Societies, and their job is to assess foreign credentials and uh, ensure that internationally trained lawyers, by the end of the NCA process, are on equal footing with Canadian-trained students. So your experience with the NCA, I know, Stuart, like a lot goes into your job. It's more than just recruitment. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, it's more than just talking to a student and getting them to, you know, click accept on their offer to bond. Um, there's, there's quite a bit of involvement that you've had with, or at least communication and cooperation with the NCA. So I'd be interested in hearing a little bit about that and, and your take on the accreditation process here in Canada. Oh, absolutely. Yes, no, it's, it's amazing when dealing with students, obviously a, a big uh, sort of draw card for coming to somewhere like Bond is then also the opportunity to return to Canada and have that qualification be usable 
in Canada. Mm. Um, one thing I always say to students straight up, and, and one thing I, I guess I want to echo here is that the NCA, as you said, are the gatekeepers. They're the ones who control the policy. They're the ones who make the decisions. And so I always first and foremost encourage every student to have an individual relationship with the NCA. Mm. It's important that they themselves are making themselves aware of the policy and how it impacts them directly as an individual. Uh, and that while we here as a university will sort of guide and assist and, and help sort of point in the right direction, we don't make the decisions. And I think that's one thing that the NCA actually does really well and, and has worked on quite well over the last decade or so that I've been working with them. And that is they're very transparent, uh, they're very fair, uh, and they really do have the best interests of the profession at heart, which is what they need to do, especially in something like law. You want to make sure that if you're accessing a, a professional service like a lawyer, that they have been educated and that you are going to get a, a baseline of, of service and ability and knowledge um, that is what you're paying for. So uh, from that point of view, they, they do an excellent job. Uh, it, it's definitely adds an extra layer of complexity. Mm -hmm. But I think also at the same time, it, it's where sort of students, I guess, get their first taste of what being a, a professional is all about. Uh, if it was easy to go to law school anywhere else in the world and come back to Canada and put up your shingle and away you go, then everybody would be doing it who yeah. wanted to do it, obviously. Um, but being part of a profession doesn't just mean that once you have that piece of paper that you're good to go forever. It means there's always lifelong learning involved. There's always the requirement to continually sort of upgrade yourself, upgrade your knowledge, uh, maintain certain levels of service and ability and, and those sorts of things. And so students really do need to be aware that if you want to be a lawyer, it's not just going to law school. That's, that's the pre-professional part. Mm. The professional part is essentially what you start dealing with the NCA. And from there, they do a great job in, in helping you manage sort of the beginning of that, but then there's also the continual education aspect to it as well. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think you hit on it. Um, I think it, it's also easy for students to kind of get lost in the fact that, uh, you know, in Canada in particular, and Stuart, in your program in the JD um, at, at Bond, um, you get students who have completed an undergraduate degree here in Canada, and, you know, they go to law school. And when you go to law school, as I did and as you did, law school is intense. And mm -hmm. it, at the time, seems to be this sort of be-all, end-all. And once you, you graduate and you wear the hat and you throw it in the air, you think, all right, now, let's be a lawyer. <laughs> and <laughs> in, in particular, for Canadian students who are coming to Canada or even for um, individuals and professionals or students who are emigrating to Canada, the NCA can seem equally as important. Like, mm -hmm. okay, now I finished my degree um, and or I've been practicing in, let's say, Nigeria for 10 years and I'm going to come to Canada and I'm going to write the NCAs and that's it. I'm a lawyer, right? <laughs> so it's important to recognize that, yeah, it's all part of this sort of professional development that students sort of get thrown into immediately that the NCA exams are in and of themselves super important. And um, it, it's, it's a great barometer for, for the Federation of Law Societies to ensure that every professional is on the same educational baseline. But for international students or people who emigrate to Canada, um, once you complete the NCAs, there's a whole other 
slew of steps that need to be undertaken. Your experience, I know like you're an alumnus of Bond, you've dealt with alumni um, and you've seen the successes of alumni and I'm sure some of the trips and slips um, and, you know, temporary, let's call them failures of certain alumni in navigating that after process. So after the NCAs and then the bar exams, getting set up as a lawyer in Canada can be a real struggle. So I wonder, you know, anecdotally speaking, if you have any stories or any advice or any kind of insights into into that kind of process? Because I think that's another angle of this podcast is to let everybody be aware that the NCA is step one. Uh, Well, (laughs) technically, I guess it's like step 50, but it's it's (laughs) in Canada, it's step one to like another 10 steps in practicing. So after the NCAs are completed, what happens? Yeah. Well, uh, let's actually come back to the NCA side mm-hmm. of things because I think it's important for students to recognize also that the NCA organization itself is not trying to stump students. They're mm. not trying to make it so difficult for students that they can't get in. I've had so many conversations with students who are sort of looking at going overseas for their law school studies. And as soon as they hear about the accreditation on return or the fact that they, they have to do this, their immediate concern is, oh, well, that's, that's extra stuff I have to do and, oh, I'm going to fail. And, oh, it's, mm. it's not the case. The, the challenge exams that they give you are purely reflective. They are law school exams. If you've been to law school, you have all the tools in your toolkit to be mm. able to successfully pass those exams. What the NCA is looking for is for you to demonstrate your skills to demonstrate your knowledge and your ability to, to do this. And I, I guess in, in sort of as an introduction to answering that question then is that the students we've seen being most successful are the ones who understand that, are the ones who really take a step back and go, okay, yep, they're exams. Yes, I've got five, six, seven, nine of them to do, depending on where I've been to uh, law school or, or my experience in the background. But again, I've done law school. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am a lawyer in Nigeria or in India or places like this. And so I, I know how to do this. And what the NCA is looking for is for you to demonstrate your ability, your knowledge and your capability in these areas, but obviously specific to Canadian law. And I think the, that side of things, once students sort of get that, then it becomes straightforward. And the amount of students I talk to, and it, you could almost sort of hear them all say that once to me over the years has been, it wasn't easy, but it was nowhere near as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm, and right. so that's, that's kind of important to keep in mind is that it's, it's completely possible to do. Um, it's, it's not something that is going to be this, this really hard high mountain that you just can't get over. But right. I mean, in, yeah, in no, it, of- you're right. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I just going to say like, and, and when I was, you know, representing the UK university that I was, um, it, I felt a similar sense to, to relate to students that, look, you know, the NCAs in particular for Canadian students, I guess for every, for every international, um, app, you know, internationally trained lawyer, is there, that is the one unique extra step that, mm-hmm. that, that everybody needs to undertake are the NCA exams. But then the bar exams and, you know, looking for articling and, and either hanging your shingle or looking for an associate position, these, these challenges and struggles and hurdles, they're all shared. Everybody shares yeah. these. So, so the one extra step is the NCA exams. And, you know, they are open book. They're graded on a pass-fail. Like you say, they're not asking you to split the atom. 
they're asking you to to understand the materials and the syllabi, syllabi that they publish in order to ensure that you understand Canadi- the, the basics and foundations of Canadian law. So, yeah, exactly. I, I agree, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, in terms of then all the post-NCA stuff, so yes, you've got mm. your certificate of qualification and your education is now deemed equivalent to that of a Canadian educated student. You're now at that level as the same as someone who's walked out of Osgood or walked out of UBC Law School or U of A or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the other big thing I try to get through to students is going to a Canadian law school does not guarantee you a job, does mm-hmm. not guarantee you easy passage through the articling process or those sorts of things. That, that's a, a huge mis, sort of misunderstanding there. Um, and so the, the success that I've seen with students are the ones who start early, the mm-hmm. ones who, before they even start considering law school, are the ones who are talking to lawyers and going, how did you get to where you got to? Mm. What's the process like? What's the day-to-days of being a lawyer? What is, what, what is, what, what do I actually do when I say I'm a lawyer? Um, because I think a lot of students in my experience over the last 10 years, and I've probably dealt with probably a couple of thousand now applicants and, um, at bond, we've had uh, at least over 2000 graduates uh, from Canada who are back here working and, the vast majority of whom I will always have asked at the beginning, sort of like, well, why do you want to be a lawyer? And a lot of students will start off by saying, oh, I want to help people or, or I sort of had experience sort of dealing with the law and now I want to get into it. Okay, that's mm-hmm. great. But do you actually know what a lawyer does on a day-to-day basis? And yeah. 75% of students can answer that. And so one thing that I know our program does well and I encourage all students, even not just law, but whatever industry or profession you're going into, and that is really get to know the end point first and take it upon yourself to be working towards that goal throughout your entire education. So don't just think, okay, I'm in my last semester at law school, I should now be looking for a job. You should have been looking for a job when you were applying to law school. You should have been doing the the meet and greets. You should have been calling up a lawyer or using family connections or whatever to go and do information interviews and then following up with a bottle of wine or something like that afterwards. Mm. And whenever you're back during the semester breaks, dropping into the the law firm and and sort of saying, hey, can I take you for lunch and just have a chat and tell you about where I'm at with my uh, sort of law school so far. Those are the sorts of networking opportunities. Those are the sorts of things that you need to be doing to be successful than in finding jobs and, and in sort of moving through these types of processes. Again, it's you becoming a professional or you're joining a profession. And within that, there are lots of opportunities, but you need to start working on that from the, the very beginning. And even when we look at sort of the exams and the bar exams and the solicitor exams in Ontario and those sorts of things, again, the students who started preparing early, who took it upon themselves to really focus on what, what is it I need to do? And what is it I need to achieve here? And didn't just wait for everybody to give it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones who have been successful. Um, we've tried to keep track of all of our students. We've got connections probably with about 15 or 1600, I think, of our alumni here in Canada through things like LinkedIn and those sorts of things. Obviously, it's quite difficult when you, you get yeah. high numbers because everyone takes different paths back to, to, to home and, and doing different things. But um, anecdotally based on that we've got i think close to 100 percent success rate through the nca and through um 
through getting through articles and those sorts of things for people who wanted to. Obviously, there's people like myself who never wanted to practice law, even though we have the degree. But yeah, uh, it's uh, so. I mean, it, it's again, it's having the right mindset. It's it's being saying, okay, I'm investing a lot of time and money in doing this, and lots of other people do this quite successfully. I should be no different if I put in that same energy, that same effort and that same focus on my end goal, uh, mm-hmm. that I do the research, that I have the relationship with the NCA, that I start talking to the law society where I want to practice to make sure that I'm aware of all the requirements um, and, and sort of really taking personal control of the situation. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I, I suppose I'm a little bit different because I am Canadian. I did go abroad, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of left some of that um, perhaps ignorantly to the institutions in the institution's hands, figuring somebody here is going to help me with this, right? Like some, someone's going to tell me what to do. Right. And ultimately really um, that's not the case, unfortunately um, for most, for, for the majority of international institutions. And I understand, I mean, there's a limitation on resources. They can't just, mm-hmm. you know, hold international students' hands back to accreditation although it would be great if everyone did, because then you'd create, um, you know, more motivated and, and perhaps even better first to three year post call lawyers. But anyway, um, it's, uh, it is one of those things that you really have to take into your own hands. I agree. And um, that's one of the things that I wish I had done was really start. I mean, I mean, and I hope listeners who are, who are thinking about embarking on studying law abroad, listen to what Stuart just said, which is exactly, think about the end point. I mean, I didn't know what a lawyer did when I was in law school. You know, it's like, okay, fine. Um, the mens rea and actus reus, this is what it is. And there's case law attached to it. And this, this would be what I would um, deem to be an, an appropriate sentence, <laughs> you know, but yeah. ultimately I didn't understand what exactly the lawyer's role in all of that. Like, why can't law students just do this? And really, ultimately, it's it's those client relationships. And, and I think mm-hmm. attached to networking and getting involved with the law societies, you should also be looking at um, strengthening your personal CV. And that doesn't necessarily have to be in law only. Mm-hmm. I think I've spoken to to some people who have had some teaching experience, uh, working with children or, you know, volunteering. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be legal related experience, but something that can help broaden your understanding and, <laughs> and sort of your outlook on life and your ability to to deal with different kinds of people. And, you know, I was speaking to in an earlier podcast, Rabia, she was um, teaching children aged three to five in a Montessori school. And she framed that as um, very acute and unique dispute resolution skills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Dealing, you know what I mean? Like dealing with kids. And I thought that was really interesting and actually probably really true. Um, So yeah, no, it's really important to help to, to focus on shaping your CV and your LinkedIn profile as soon as you get into law school. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just law, but as long as you're, you know, you're creating, if you imagine the person that you're sitting opposite to in an interview, eventually you're creating the ideal candidate. Absolutely. And look, I mean, it, you've hit on a couple of really interesting points there. Um, one, just going back to sort of uh, the law schools and sort of expecting sort of a law school to do everything 
for you, or at least provide the assistance. A lot of law schools will, which is good. Uh, yeah. A lot won't. So I think that's important for students to really question up front when they're choosing international law schools is, especially if they're looking to come back to Canada, is sort of what assistance do you provide? What do your Canadian law programs look like? What does your career development centre do to help students connect with Canadian professionals, employers, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the key point, again, I want to come back to, and I always say this to, to students at the very beginning because it's it's hilarious dealing with, with students at the admissions process where they don't read documents they don't read instructions they don't and they expect you to give everything to them the amount of students who have an offer document who then call me and go so how do i accept my offer and i'm like well did you follow the three steps on your offer document (laughs) yeah and and the thing that always i say to them is okay picture yourself in five years time you're in front of a judge are you going to ask the judge how to present the application Right. Goodness, no. You're going to be expected to know all of that up front, to have read everything carefully, to have done everything, your preparation, and be ready to, to do that on behalf of your clients. So treat law school, treat the whole process as if you're already a lawyer because you, you turn up to court, you turn up to dealing with a client and, not, and you're not prepared and you haven't read instructions and you haven't followed instructions and you're expecting the judge to give you everything, you're going to fail very, mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, I guess talking about experience and those sides of things, it's so important these days to recognize that the legal profession has changed, that it's no longer just, oh, I went to Osgood, so therefore I'm going to walk into this firm because all of they only hire Osgood students and yep, that's great and away we go. No, no. Law firms these days have shrunk in size. They're no longer massive multinational corporations with 50,000 lawyers working around the world. There's still a few of those, but a lot of them these days are small to medium size, quite niche boutique style firms. And that's where a lot of the jobs and a lot of opportunities are. Hmm. Typically, these firms are being run by lawyers who want to do something different within the profession. And when they're looking at hiring articling students, when they're looking at at bringing associates on board, they're looking for graduates who haven't just got straight A's in law school. What else have you done? What's your experience? What can you bring to my firm? Because so much of the law these days also involves marketing your services, involves, as you mentioned, the client relationships and all of these sorts of things. It's the business of law that is just as important as the actual profession of being a lawyer. Uh, and so the graduates that we're seeing that are being most successful are the ones who are doing the work experience opportunities. So for example, Bond has actually set up internship programs with Canadian law firms that students can do during the semester breaks. So they mm. can fly home and spend three or four weeks at a Canadian law firm just as if they were doing law school in Canada. Um, do those sorts of things. Do the law clinics. But at the same time, as you mentioned with your example, get out there and, and if you're passionate about surfing or if you're passionate about, uh, I don't know, rock collecting or something like that, get into that as well. Uh, lawyers are, are no longer these sort of what we probably saw 50 years ago with boring white collar, uh, only interested in arguing with each other sort of lawyers. Um, they're people who, who are three-dimensional beings with interests and passions, and that's what then contributes to the success of these people within the profession. And the more you can demonstrate that, and especially going overseas as well, it's no longer the barrier it used to be. 
uh, again, when I first came into this role about 10 years ago, it was kind of just towards the end of the period in, in the Canadian profession where if you went overseas, it was definitely seen as, oh, well, you weren't smart enough to get into Canadian law school. Right. Last year, there was 32,000 applications for 1,475 places or something like that. My numbers might be a bit off, but I mean, we're talking significant over demand for a limited supply of places. And I can probably tell you that at least 75% of those applicants were likely good quality applicants who will make good lawyers. But there are just simply not the places in Canadian law schools. And law firms recognize this. Law firms recognize that they need good quality people and that the Canadian law schools aren't necessarily sending out the right number of graduates. So they're looking abroad and they're seeing that also a lot of students are looking at the profession and going, it's a global profession. I want to work in mining and resource law. And this firm that I found has an office in Calgary, but also has an office in Brisbane and Australia. And between the two, because there's a lot of natural resources and those sorts of things. So if I get my Australian certificate, I can then sell myself to this firm for a job based on the fact that I can practice in Australia, I can practice in Canada, that I've got experience with the Australian networking and all those sorts of things. And immediately, if you put that person next to someone who's walked out of, say, UBC law school, who had, doesn't never been to Australia before, doesn't have that experience, incredibly, the person with the Australian law degree magically seems more employable. And these are the sorts of things that firms are looking at. And this is what we're seeing great success with our graduates is that they're able to sell their international experience. They're able to really, as you said, sort of talk about the skills that they've learned and, and the different growth in themselves, not just from I learned how to be a lawyer, but I learned how to live in a different country and a different culture. Um, as much as Australians speak English, mm. there's a lot of different language that's involved down there. Yeah. Um, all of those sorts of things. And being able to talk about that experience and what you can then bring to that firm uh, as a new associate or as an articling student. So the, the profession has moved on. Uh, and again, the number one sort of conversation I have with students these days is they still come to me stressed that if they haven't been to a Canadian law school, they're not going to get a job or yeah. they're not going to get through the NCAs. And that's just complete and utter garbage. Mm. Um, yes, there are certain Bay Street firms that will only look at Canadian graduates. Okay, great. But how many positions a year do they have? Five, 10 positions they offer? How many graduates in Southern Ontario are there from law schools? Two, yeah. three, 400 a year? It doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get a job in those firms. And do you really want to work in those firms? You, you know of those firms, you know of Bay Street, fantastic. But have you actually thought about what working 100 hours a week for 60 <laughs> yeah. grand a year um, means as an articling student? Is it going to give you the same or more opportunities than going to work for a boutique firm in Ajax or in Markham or somewhere like that that specializes in your area of interest um, where you can also have a life as well? So it, it, there's a lot more to being a legal professional than just getting that articling job and, and whatever else. And it's, it's, that's what good legal education is also about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you touched on something I think is also really important there. And that is thinking not only about how you're going to enter the profession from day one, but also framing your personal profile and thinking about how you're going to sell yourself to firms like like you said there's real advantages to getting involved um internationally so i always recommend 
that if you are going to go abroad, it's really important to start thinking about, okay, now I'm here. What can I do outside of the classroom that can help add or lend to me being pushed closer and closer to the top of a pile of interviewees at the end of all of this? So getting involved, thinking strategically about, you know, if, if let's say, okay, fine, if you're interested in criminal law and you'd like to be a criminal law lawyer back in Canada, then I'm sure there are criminal law clinics, pro bono clinics, opportunities for volunteering in Australia or in the UK or, you know, wherever. So it is important, I think, to start thinking about how you're going to answer that question when it inevitably comes. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you go abroad? It's not, I mean, the worst answer is, well, I, did, I didn't do well on my LSATs. That's not a good answer. No. Um, whether or not that's true, avoid saying that and rather start framing yourself as a really international individual and somebody with nuanced understanding and some kind of experience that lended or aids in your knowledge of a certain practice area that a firm specializes in, like like that, say, niche firm in Markham, for instance. Uh, I think that's really important to think about um, early on in your legal education. Mm-hmm. It's not just whether or not you can cite case law or or even whether you've paid attention to, you know, some of the Canadian publications and your, your commercial awareness is relatively good, that's fine. But you as an individual, so your personal experience and pair that with how you want your narrative to go, you know, how you want to be able to explain your narrative to potential employers is so important. Absolutely. It, it's, it is crucial. And, and it really comes down to how are you going to make the firm money? Mm-hmm. How, how, yep. how are you going to contribute to the firm's bottom line? How are you going to bring customers in? How is your experience, how is your knowledge going to help make the firm money? It's the business of law. And that's where the legal profession really is in these days. And I don't mean that from a negative point of view that that's all lawyers think about. It, it totally isn't. There, there are still, um, the, the profession still lends it towards people who are there to do the right thing, to represent people, to represent organizations, et cetera, in the, in the quest for, for justice and, and understanding and interpreting the law. But at the same time, it's the commercial aspect that is at the forefront of many practitioners' minds because that's how they continue the firm. That's how they continue doing that work. And you need to demonstrate how you're going to contribute to that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, 100%. I think um, it's it's something particularly that... Um, let's, pay, let's say people who emigrate to Canada from India or Pakistan who have got... Um, 10 years of practice experience, I mean, that is really valuable to, let's mm-hmm. say, um, a corporate immigration firm or something like that. Like, what area of practice were, are you in and how can you help add to the bottom line of the firm in Canada? And that, that you know, clients, um, acquisition, things like that are, are really, really valuable things to law firms. And um, with the advent of technology these days, um, I think some some general understanding of that, and I think it does add to the business of law in that everything seems to be at everybody's fingertips in terms of, you know, sending, uh, putting out a Facebook ad, and all of a sudden you've got you know leads and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, proficiency in technology and, and computer awareness and things like that helps a lot too. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, th this has been a really good conversation, Stuart. Um, I think it's been really helpful. I hope it's been really helpful for listeners, um, people who are, are practicing law abroad or who are thinking about attending law school or are currently in law school abroad. Um, I think there's some interesting tidbits here. So we can close, Stuart, on your law school bond and what they're doing and, um, and how students in Canada who are thinking about going abroad might might benefit from attending university like Bond. Absolutely. So Bond's actually had a strong Canadian law program now for going on almost 20 years. So we actually teach the required Canadian law subjects that the NCA uh, specifies as part of the, the program uh, as elective subjects as both part of our Juris Doctor and our Bachelor of Laws program. So Canadian students can take those subjects and essentially be prepared sort of I'd say 80 to 90 percent to then be able to take the NCA challenge exams on their way home. Um, mm. So we have uh, Canadian professors on staff as well as a visiting Canadian professor program that actually teach those subjects as well as other electives. Um, before COVID hit we actually had um, uh, a couple lined up from Osgood this year to, to come down and teach uh, as well as from UBC, from University of Calgary Law School etc. At the same time, when students are there, we've got a really strong Canadian Law Students Association. We've got about 220, 230 Canadian students studying in our law school at any one time, obviously at various different levels of their studies. Uh, and so it's it's quite a significant group of students on campus. Uh, Bond is quite small. We're only about 4,500 students in total across all of our programs. Uh, and almost half of those are international students. So the Canadians are quite a large uh, group of those international students at Bond. Um, the other things I kind of mentioned as well is our big focus on skills and practical uh, training. So with our internship program here in Canada, we teach a whole range of elective subjects uh, that are law clinics. Uh, and then we also have other sort of clinical skills programs uh, outside of that as well, as well as then public law clinics where members of the public come in sort of one night a week and it might be a family law clinic and our students then work with local lawyers as well as our academics uh, to provide sort of pro bono advice and those sorts of things. Uh, at the same time, our Career Development Centre is actively engaged with Canadian law firms and usually once or twice a year when the borders are open, uh, actually sends a member of their team over to meet with Canadian law firms, to meet with alumni and to really foster those connections and those interactions so that our students can then benefit from that in terms of their career progression. So Bond really tries to do a lot to assist our Canadian students because we, we recognise that, yes, you're coming a long way, you're spending a lot of money on law school, but at the same time, we want to make sure that that experience and the outcomes that you're achieving are in line with that investment that you're making. And so we've invested heavily in, in all of our services around that. Uh, we also are the only foreign law school to participate in the Wilson Cup moot competition every year. And so that's a, a law school competition for Canadian law schools and bond. And last year we actually won the entire competition. So our students wow. uh, beat all of the Canadian law school students uh, at a Canadian law problem. Uh, and uh, we, we won the final competition. And over the last I think seven or eight years we've been involved. We've had a runner-up spot. We've had a third place spot. We've won best uh, advocate, best written submissions, all those sorts of things. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of how well we're preparing our students for Canadian legal practice, mm. um, let alone the Canadian law aspects and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, Bond is... Uh, 
Bond has, has worked very hard to, to establish this and to support uh, Canadian students through that, that process. And uh, I guess that starts with me being based here in Canada, so that if you do have inquiries or need assistance or anything like that, I'm, I'm here just to phone call away in time zone to, to be able to assist with that. Great. Amazing, Stuart. And, and um, in the bio uh, or in the description of this podcast, I'll include um, your contact details, Stuart, just in case there are individuals or students or even alumni who might want to get in touch who have lost Absolutely. Touch. Yeah. So thanks so much for your time, Stuart. I really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time of year with recruitment and everything. So um, yeah, I hope I, I know that the listeners would have gained a lot of knowledge here. So I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks very much for your time today, Anton, as well. And that does it for episode four of A Shot of Life in the NCA sub-series. I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation with Stuart. I think it's valuable to get this kind of perspective from somebody sort of on the outside looking in at everybody's journey to becoming a lawyer in Canada. Like he's dealt with thousands of applicants, hundreds if not thousands of actual Canadian law grads when they come back to Canada and he's observed the wide spectrum of journeys to practice. I think um, and I hope that it was a, a valuable listen for you guys to learn a little bit about the perception of the NCA journey from somebody who deals with admissions into law school abroad. We're looking forward to more episodes upcoming. And if there are any suggestions of speakers or any suggestions of topics that people would like to be covered, following the A Shot of Life Canada Facebook page is a great way for you to interact with the with the show and to offer your your advice or your, your feedback. And I'll, I'll look forward to doing what I can to make these shows as relevant and as useful as possible. And until the next one, we'll talk again soon.